Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. I put one line in there saying workplace entrenched cultural bullying intimidation, which I've experienced from the opposition and from within my own party. Mm. Those were the deadly words because I you didn't realise. You mean like the traitorous words? The traitorous words. Yeah. She's a traitor, treachery, terrible, horrible, let's make her you know, let's take her through the sexist spectrum somehow, let's silence her, let's create fear, all of those things. I didn't realise that I was, I would, with those words, become the whistleblower. Okay, rolling now. Hello, lovely people, and welcome to the show. You're with Catherine Murphy, the host of this pod, and a political editor of Guardian Australia. And I'm so delighted because I haven't seen Julia... Well, well, since you left. Yeah, this is my first first time back to Canberra since 2019. Are you stressed walking around you? <laughs> it was interesting. Yes, put it that anyway. way. Look, we'll get to that. <laughs> Sorry, we're racing ahead and I'm not following good <laughs> podcast practice at all. My guest, of course, if you haven't recognised the voice, is Julia Banks, uh, who's a memoir about her life in corporate Australia and uh, the uh, rather interesting experiences that she had. <laughs> <laughs> that she had in in political life is is hitting the bookshelves. Uh, this it's this week, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, today. It's a, yeah, yeah, today. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, okay. All yeah. right. And just so, just <laughs> for the record, we're recording on Thursday, everyone. So you'll hear this on Saturday. So anyway, um, uh, Julia is in Canberra. Uh, so I'm delighted we can do this face to face rather than remotely. And uh, she's she's in town for an event tonight, and we thought this would be a really good opportunity for us to catch up. So sorry, we're just going to bore you with our catch up, guys. But uh, no, just we want to. There's lots of interesting things that uh, Julia's memoir brings into the public domain, but there's a bunch of other things that I have been dying to talk to her about in a conversation that others could hear, just about her experience uh, moving from corporate life to politics uh, in the election where you won the only seat, yeah? Mm-hmm. From Labor. Yeah. yeah, took the only seat from Labor. Okay, we'll start there. Okay. With taking the only seat from Labor in the last federal election. So you were a corporate counsel a lawyer. Uh, you had uh, experience in a number of big companies you win pre-selection, you win the seat, you arrive in Canberra to your new political life. Mm-hmm. What happens? Well, I was, I'd was i sort of been high on 
relatively high alert because it really uh, the different culture. Uh, I guess a lot of people don't appreciate this uh, from the outside world, but the political world doesn't operate like a parent company overseeing, you know, the, all all the all the sort of subsidiary companies like the different states. Um, the the political um, animal is largely driven out of the states before you get to Canberra, mm, mm. and I'd experienced um, a highly, you know, sexist sort of toxic culture almost from day one, very ex- exceedingly sexist culture. I describe it in the book, Catherine, as, um, you know, Mad Men meets House of Cards. It was just sort of really, <laughs> really kind of really, weird. Yes. Um, mm. And I was asked to run for pre-selection for a seat that no one in the Liberals cared about at that time because it had been held by Labor for over 18 years. Um, there was very little um, hope of winning that seat. Yeah. And, um, and then... Um, uh, I guess, yeah, 2016, the night it all happened, um, when Anthony Green called it, it was the only seat we won from Labor and served my term under Malcolm Turnbull. Um, You know, I joined the Liberal Party. I've I've not been a political animal. I didn't engage in student politics. I'd been an observer of of the political um, world, obviously, doing my um, corporate career, working in my corporate career. And uh, the Liberal Party were calling for more women. I saw good moderates such as Kelly O'Dwyer and um, Malcolm Turnbull and Julie Bishop there. And I joined the party and then asked to run for pre-selection. I was even told you won't win pre-selection because you're, you're new. You know, you're new to the you party. You served your time. But there mm. weren't many people interested. So they thought, oh, well, we'll let it run. And then I sort of, I won, um, and then um, but it wasn't a heavily contested pre-selection by any stretch of the imagine, imagination. But if I do any job, I want to do it properly, and um, so it all started with the phone calls um, that you have to do if you're running for pre-selection. And I remember, you know, diligently having my plan there and making these phone calls after work, and and I rang a few members and then told a branch official I'd rung so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and he said to me oh look you should have called me first so I can check that they're safe what does that mean and I, that's that's exactly <laughs> what I asked him and it was sort of like a safe I mean I haven't got the Labor Party list here have I like I just thought what what am I doing here but but look I guess the the difference between the, the fundamental difference, and a lot of my corporate colleagues and friends ask me this, is what's, what's the biggest difference? And the biggest difference is, um, you know, in any sort of – in my corporate and my legal life, even if, when you change jobs, you change employers, you change workplace cultures, you nonetheless go in with high trust – unless someone disabuses that trust. And I've worked in the robust areas of litigation and corporate deals and all the rest of it. But you you fundamentally trust people, you know, and I'm f- firmly of the view that um, everyone's got good somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> there and mm-hmm. I, you know, trust someone until they disabuse that trust. Yeah. In the political realm, um, it is the complete opposite. And it was, you know, the first bit of advice I got, which was, don't trust anyone. You know, check that people are safe. And it's, it's an incredible. It's it's an almost an entirely different way of thinking. It's quite extraordinary. And I'm asking uh, Julia these questions because, uh, as as she's laid out, she's not. Uh, you didn't come up through, well, the increasingly 
traditional channels of mm. being a staffer or being an apparatchik. You, yeah. you worked in corporate Australia yeah. and then you came across. Mm. And it's been my observation over the last few, well, few terms in particular that mm. uh, that politics is sort of becoming hostile territory for humans. Mm. Yeah, that's a really <laughs> well, I wish I'd called my book that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it's sort of like, look, at one at one level there are, um, it, it's just I have witnessed this phenomenon time and time again, sadly, yeah. that uh, lateral, call them lateral recruits, people yeah. like you yeah. who have uh, had a life and a bunch of um, uh, experiences outside what happens in this building uh, often, uh, well, uh, just hit the fence because it's sort of uh, because the, the 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 culture from which you've come can't be aligned with the culture in which you find yourself in terms of politics. Now, I don't want to sound completely pessimistic or nihilistic about yeah. that because uh, you know you were you weren't here for a long time, but you were here for a good time in yeah. terms of you yeah. know I'm not diminishing your service in it at all. No. It's it's just this point that we do need humans in politics. Mm. We do need them, yet mm. the environment makes it very difficult. Yeah. And it's sort of um, like in, in corporate and in any other sector, if you um, start a new job or a new employer, you go to a new employer, um, you you have a, an induction process and not the sort of, you know, school for, school for, what, what, what do they call it? Yeah, yeah I know. The what what poly, do you, yeah, poly yes, school, poly school. Which yes, is, yes. you know, here's the, you know, the toilet blocks are here and, you know, don't take photos in the chamber. <laughs> and, and that one's the speaker. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Even, even that, like, just a funny aside, but I, I remember doing, I've got the sense of direction of a cocker spaniel. I remember walking around the house with the tour guide and I'm thinking, okay, I can place it where that, that piece of art is, you know. And then just at that time the tour guide said, and don't mark out places because of the art because we rotate. I was going to say, oh, yes, no. I'm pretty sure I'm the art screwed. rotates still. Yes, <laughs> oh, right. but, um, but that it was all housekeeping items. Yes. And indeed yes. even the sort of recent discussion, like I, I threw it in the mix in terms of the presence of alcohol in the place, you know, um, that to me, again, is a housekeeping item that was dealt with back in the 80s. Mm. I, I spoke to, um, like the New York Times wrote about this, that in the White House is a completely dry environment yeah. except for, you know, um, you know, function areas, mm. obviously. Mm. And but, but those are all housekeeping because culture is defined by the leader and, you know, my job – uh, part of my uh, a big part of my job was workplace culture and governance. Yes, and I spent my life training new employees, training current employees, training older employees. Like we'd have to rotate um, governance training about our code of conduct and all that sort of thing. Yeah, um, every every few months. And now it's being implemented here like it's something new. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and you know, it's sort of like. The, the corporate world de dealt with the fact that you can't report something into an HR director if the HR director is a sexual harasser. Yes. Like they dealt with that, you know, back <laughs> in the 90s. And why, why do you think, why do you think it's it's taken such a long time? Because it's sort of this, as you say, right, yeah. this conversation is only just happening now. Yeah. We're having over the last six months and we'll get, we, we're going to get right into the last six months and yeah. the importance of yeah. it. But it really 
it's it's just now. We're well, talking for the first time. Oh, yeah. let's train senior staff how yeah. not to sexually harass staff yeah. or to deal with complaints. And absolutely, why has that not happened here? I don't look from my perspective. Um, you know, I'd pretty much got the rough draft of my book ready by around March. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like the rough structure, the you know, the chapters. And then, of course, the Brittany Higgins event and the cascade of events coming out of Parliament House and now all these changes proposed. And I thought to myself, if I publish that book in March and was asked to publish a sequel, I would have called the sequel Told You. <laughs> that's, that's what I would have called it, <laughs> quite honestly, because I think I think the rest of the world, you know, the rest of Australia in human land would just think, really, is it really like that? Um, I've had so many of my friends, uh, you know, ask me. You know, yeah, just how can this be? How can and this, this is, be? Yeah, and, and we've done, we've I've done a lot on the podcast over the last six months just yeah. trying to explain this phenomenon to yeah. people that normal... HR practices do not operate yeah. in this building. Yeah. I mean, they do in in my organisation, yeah. but yeah. not in the organisation that, right. that you were in. That's right. And yes. tell, just tell me about booze too, because you mentioned booze. Yeah, right. So, yeah. look, I'm I'm curious about this because journalism was another profession with a huge boozing yeah. culture. Yeah, but now. Oh, well, certainly here, yeah. No, no one would drink except like right. uh, you know, I don't know, someone's birthday or That's right. some. Yeah, you know, whatever. You yeah. have a glass of champagne. Like no one, no one hits the the booze no. along this corridor now. No. So what happens downstairs? What <laughs> people just? <laughs> well, every MP has booze in. Almost every other MP has. Well, I, has booze in their office, and um, it's sort of. Um, and there's countless a countless number of events going on everywhere. Yes. And there is a real culture that you know. Well, we'll get the. Fr- you know, free drinks or the pre-dinner drinks. I remember I went to one event and I, I lasted about I lasted about two minutes because the poor woman, the waitress who who came out with a tray of champagne mm. glasses, and it was it was a massive event where everyone, all MPs and all their staff were invited, and she hadn't even come out from behind the screen, and people ran to <laughs> to like grab just it. Her. Yeah. Oh my and, god. And I thought, my God, it's like an eighteenth birthday party. Like, really? That's I was I was actually disgusted. <laughs> like and boarding I'm not, school I'm without not approved, the rules, right? Yeah, but yeah. I just it was just quite shocking to me. And and you know, the really funny thing for me, the re- it's almost are you are you serious? Was that people say, oh, you know, she entered politics because she was so naive, like. Naive, right? <laughs> naive. Right? <laughs> it was just I wasn't naive, okay? I just thought there would be some semblance of normal culture, you know, aligned to, uh, you know, corporate culture. Yes, and exactly. Well, thought, well, a set of, of expectations that right. most yeah. of the rest of us are yeah. familiar with. Yeah, yes. and that, yeah. you know, most senior executives by the time they get to my level if you change a job you you fast adapt to the new culture but here you know and that's what that's what my expectation was um but you you try and fast adapt but you you realize that you can't adapt because the the practices are so antiquated like for example I worked in 
you know, the corporate space in crisis and risk management. Yep. That was, you know, I led many crisis risk management teams. I worked in the pharmaceutical business. So if you have a product recall of a pharmaceutical, um, I actually worked um, for the company during the swine flu pandemic, right? So I saw, you know, crisis management in, well, I led it basically. Um, and the one thing you do about all good companies do after they've gone through a corporate crisis is you do an after-action review, no mm -hmm. matter how small or how big the crisis, so you can um, look at things you've learned, mm. you know, what you could have done better, what you did really well, all that sort of thing, and then apply that um, to the future, future processes. So when I won the election, <laughs> well, when my team and I won yeah. the election, yeah. I just assumed that I would be swamped with requests from within the Liberal Party to say, actually, you did it differently to all of us, you know. What can um, we learn from you? What can we learn from given you? Given you're the only seat that you... That you I you wasn't would... asked once. I, I just wasn't asked. I wasn't interviewed. I wasn't... Nothing. I thought I thought they would want me to speak at events. Um, you know, the young Liberals, um, I used to, used to sort of have a go at them and, you know... It, Turns out that the president of the Young Liberals was always a young liberal man, of course. Um, and I'd say, you know, I'm happy to come along as a speaker. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Have a woman and you know someone, someone who, who won, right? Yeah. And uh, I remember I I was ribbing him about it just before the coup in 2018, and um, he said, I said, who have you got for your Young Liberal ball this year? And you know, why haven't you asked me? I've offered so many times. And he said, oh, oh, we've got we've got Tony Abbott this year. <laughs> I thought, okay, I'm done. That's it. Right. I'm done. Just on that, like, your post-crisis review, right? Oh, yeah. You and I need to get to sexism in a moment because you and I have many feelings on this subject. Um, but um, just in that post-crisis review mode, when you – the other thing that's very common in serious corporations is the exit interview. Of course, right. yeah. When you move, yeah. people want to understand why you've left yeah. and what your reflections are on the culture and all of yeah. that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. Did you have an exit review? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> What's the no. book really, isn't uh, it? But... If you count the exit review of the social media trolling that I continued to get saying, ha, 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 you lost, um, you know, no, no. I didn't. Um, in fact, the trolling, I, I thought it would stop once I lost, but it just got so bad and from from leaders you know former liberal leaders you know they were all just gloating <laughs> and i i remember uh, it just got so stupid and revolting i just i literally deleted my twitter account facebook i just thought nah just you just went let, off let it all go because yeah. i dealt with it all during the election and then it just kept going and going um well you uh, must uh, you must really get under their skin <laughs> well, 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 well. Seriously, yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know. It, it was just, I. It was um. It was quite an interesting experience for me. I remember during the independent campaign, and we had a big community event to which I was invited, um, at the um for the business um association in Flinders mm. electorate. Mm. And it was probably about two hundred people there, and um. And Greg Hunt was there, and of course, um, and <laughs> and I got up and made my speech, and I started my speech, and it was just completely spontaneous. But because I'd been talking to people just before it and everything, and I said, it, "I can't tell you how good it is to breathe the business, business <laughs> air again," you know, not the parliament, air. and uh, that's sort of 
brought the floor down and, you know, I got walked down and people in within earshot of Greg Hunt, which I don't think he really liked very much, but, mm. you know, was saying... That was a that was the best you know speech by far you know you you get business and blah 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 it was it was quite it was just really extraordinary because yes. it, it for me I actually felt the contrast of yes the yeah viscerally you yeah. felt you felt it in your, yeah. your in your soul yeah. in you as a human yes yeah. yes yeah um, let's touch down now on sexism because we've we've referenced it on yeah. on the way through yeah. and. As you said, um, what's the reference in your book? It's like uh, a cross between Mad Men and House of Cards, right? Yeah. So why do you think the Liberal and National parties, because I do actually think on this there are quantifiable differences between the major parties. That has not always been the case. Mm. In my reporting lifetime, Labor started off really no different mm. to yeah. the yeah. Liberal and National parties in right. terms of that default feminism or not, right? right? yeah. Like the two cultures were actually very similar when right. I started in the mid-90s. Yeah, yeah. And what's happened in the Labor Party through affirmative action and quotas and all that sort of stuff yeah. is now there's critical mass. Yeah. And I'm not saying that the everybody and every bloke you meet in the Labor Party is a feminist. I mean, sure. quite the contrary. Yeah. But there's there's now a sort of starting position Absolutely. in Labor that's quite different Absolutely. To, to where things started, right? Yeah. In the Liberal and National parties, uh, it it does remain a boys' club. Absolutely. Not, and again, I don't look Julie Bishop if you're listening, Kelly O'Dwyer if you're listening, like, <laughs> yeah. all these, Kay Patterson if you're listening, yeah. Judy Troth if you're listening. Like, you know, oh, yeah. of course, right, like you've had some superb, Women. Yes, absolutely. Like really fantastic, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but inherently, it's a, it's a boys' club. Why? It's it's because of the numbers. Like the numbers don't answer everything in terms of um, parity, in terms of gender equal leadership. But as we know, the Labor Party introduced quotas in the mid nineties, um, and I can't speak through the lens of the of the Labor Party. Yeah. and I'm sure, like you, well, uh, I, sure I've never that, been a member of it either. I'm yeah, just observing, but right? I'm sure so. that they're, they're, we we all still see the headlines, so I'm sure their culture is not perfect. No, it's no. certainly not the panacea, um, but it is a critical core piece um, towards um, gender equality, to have that gender equal leadership. I saw that transformation in the corporate world, um, you know, when I uh, when I started out and I was on boards, it was like nine men and I was one of one or one of two women yeah. on the board. And um, I remember when targets were introduced, which you can introduce in corporate because you can in incentivise it to people's salaries yes. and you even it up, the dialogue is different. Yeah. And, and if I can point to an example that, for example, I thought the Labor Party's policy on childcare that they introduced last year was signature. Mm -hmm. And I don't for a minute think that Albo got up one morning and thought, I'm going to introduce this childcare policy. I think it has everything to do with the fact that they have a balanced, yes. um, yeah. um, you know, a, a number of men and women in their party. It, it makes a difference. It changes the dialogue. I think I think that's right. But, but also, um, and I mean, it sort of seems a bit silly, um, 
to kind of raise this because in a way, what, what I'm trying to say is, okay, uh, childcare is a good example, Julia, right? Yeah. So uh, Labor comes up with a childcare policy. Yeah. Obviously, they've got people like Tanya Plibersek and Amanda Rishworth yeah. and those those women driving that as well yeah. as blokes who, you know, yeah. are not from the Stone Age. Yeah. In your own party room, though, your former party room, we, yeah. we saw a debate that's very right. recently yeah. about whether childcare should even be a thing. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's outsourcing parenting. Outsourcing parenting. And, you know, I was observing that obviously through the press and I know how that party room works. And, yeah, you know, first of all, it was only the women who spoke up. Yeah. <laughs> the few women that are there yeah. who um, challenged it. Oh, there was, I think, um, Jason Falinski might have as well. But fundamentally, that voice, that's great for the party room, that, that, but that's going to get drowned out mm. because they haven't got the numbers. Mm. They haven't got the numbers or the voice. And just as I've argued that that party room um, with the number of climate deniers and the, the dynamics of that party room, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that, you know, the moderates' voice has been drowned out yeah. on climate change action. Yeah. It's similar in relation to issues which relate to which relate to women in the workplace, even their perception that childcare is a woman's issue. Yes. It's actually yes, rather than it's a family actually not. issue. In, in, yeah. in a modern than, corporate, yes. it's, you know... It's, everybody everybody exactly. has parental responsibility. Exactly. Yeah. And, but yeah. it's that problem yeah. of... of uh, and again, like I'm not saying this through a lens where I think con conservative voices shouldn't be represented in the nation's parliament, right? Yeah. yeah. Like uh, conservatism is of course, a, a yeah. valid philosophical, yeah. you know, uh, tradition that... Mm obviously should be represented mm. in the nation's parliament. Yeah. But it sort of becomes more complicated for the Liberal and National parties because there is this sort of critical mass of conservative blokes. That's it's right. not just that there's not enough women, although mm. that's absolutely right. Yeah. It's that the blokes that yeah. are there are yeah. like a couple of decades behind that's in right. their thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you do about that? Well... <laughs> It, uh, again, I believe the leader defines the culture. I do believe Morrison has a very uh, traditional view, um, which he holds viscerally. And I'm not being critical of stay-at-home mums, but any view beyond that traditional mm. homemaker mm. is a view that is held by a number of men in that in that party room. It it just is. And sure, there are women in that party room, as there were when I was there, um, that have a, a different background. Um, there are women in that party room, like a lot of the men in the party room, who are career politicians as well. But... But nonetheless, if you have this um, intensive conservative voice and you couple that with, and it's male as well, mm. you, you're not going to get sound policy um, because but fundamentally because half our population are severely underrepresented Mm, in, in the nation's parliament. In the nation's parliament. Mm, mm. And the sort of uh, sexism, anyone who's watched your interviews associated with your book will know that uh, that incident you recount in the Prime Minister's office, that really terrible incident that you recount in the Prime Minister's office where yeah. a colleague well, sexually harassed you. Yeah. Um, is that... Do you think... I mean, obviously... The, uh, You've recounted that example. Yeah. Do you think that that is a very common experience? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I'm not saying it doesn't happen in in the corporate world where there are structures and there are mechanisms mm, and there sure. are whistleblower yeah, yeah. systems. Sure. But it's probably more covert in the corporate system. But at least there are some 
there is some semblance of system or recourse. Yeah. But it's yeah. not to say that there are, you know, you know, thousands of women out there in corporate land who are keeping their secrets as well because of their job or whatever. Um, but and what uh, I recount that incident, even though far worse has happened to me, as mm-hmm. I'm sure to yeah. millions of women, yeah. far worse. Um, you know, and women are dealing with this every yeah. single day. You know, and then you hear the whole that trope about not all men and, you know, well, of course not all men. but And women know that not all men are sexist, misogynist, um, you know, philanderers, whatever, or bullies. Women know that. We know that. We're married to them. We work with them. Mm. You know, all my bosses invariably have been male, uh, middle-aged men, and, you know, most of them, 90% of them are, are amazing individuals. Yeah. Um, but... But we also know, and this is the critical stat, that 98% of women don't make up these stories. They don't make up these stories. And what is particularly annoying is when um, other women come out and say, well, it's not like that for me. It's a perfect world. That, That is just like, seriously, okay, maybe. Maybe you've walked through life, you know, yes, somehow. and you haven't had any, you know, sexist um, behaviour at all um, happen. Yeah, fantastic. But the, it doesn't mean that I'm making it up. No, and, and, <laughs> and, and, and look, good luck yeah. if you've managed to get through life either not being sexually harassed yourself yeah. or not knowing anybody who has been sexually harassed or, or worse. Yes. And most of us do know someone, someone. who's been yeah. through something worse than that. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, good luck to you. Yeah. But but understand that you are you are not representative. That's right. Well that's not like the data shows that that those experiences, those those blessed experiences of yeah. unencumbered yeah, femaleness in yeah. male domains. Yeah, uh, that that's not that that's the exception. That's not the rule. That's right. And it it all it does. I mean, you can see this. This is the really disturbing bit about it. Is it just? It's simply harnessing the gendered stereotype. Yes, it is just simply saying well. Sending the women out to say, "Well, she's a liar," mm. or you know, it didn't happen to me. That you know, all the yeah, blokes are beautiful. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's silencing. It's just, is like it yeah, needs to be called for what it is. A yeah. form of yeah. form of silencing, and um, it's 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 a completely absurd. And the other completely absurd one that's come out in the last few days is, um, um, you know, uh, Senator Henderson saying that. Um, Somehow, and this was said during the independent campaign that I was tricked <laughs> by the Labor Party. <laughs> well, this is your naivety you know? again. Yeah. Remember uh, that I'd moved from Malcolm Turnbull telling me what to do every day um, after he left to now it was the Labor Party. <laughs> Suddenly, you know, I haven't got a mind of my own. No. I didn't make those decisions. Well, that's I mean, that's of course like a woman with without a without a brain, of yep. course, has a stellar yep. corporate yep. career with men just telling yep. her what to do. I mean, obviously, that's I mean, right. oh my God, when will it stop? She's Seriously. like, this, first of all, she's this weak pedal. Oh damn it, she won't shut up. Okay, <laughs> right, this is she must be being told told what to do by these horrible Labor people and Malcolm Turnbull or whoever, someone, some man somewhere, some is man, some what man, to do. some man somewhere. Let's yeah. end this way because um, <laughs> I've seen. Um, I mean, it's 
<laughs> as is always the case in these conversations, you and I could go on for about four hours. But anyway, that's, we we're only just warming up really. But anyway, no, <laughs> um, no I, I have seen uh, over, over the last couple of days, I've seen in preview uh, the first couple of episodes of a series that's coming up on the ABC. Yeah. Uh, I, think, I think next week, I think it drops. I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely certain. Yeah. But this is the series you may have seen promos, guys. Annabelle Crabb is fronting a a, a series on women in the sure. parliament called Misrepresented, yeah. which is quite fun. Um, I've seen, yeah, the first couple of episodes. What has struck me uh, is, well, it's it's enormously powerful. Yeah. Like yeah. to see, to, it, well, so. to, to see yeah. you all there, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of you across the political spectrum sure. yeah. uh, sharing, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the experiences are so common that there's some lovely editing cuts in it where one woman starts the story and another woman finishes it. It's the same story. It's so universal. right? And it's Mm. really powerful, those sort of narration devices. But look, I've known, um, I think, well, there are some uh, women from uh, you know, perhaps from the seventies, who, uh, mm. who I've, I've not had any dealings with. Mm. Most of the women mm. on the program are women of my generation in terms mm. of in the parliament. Mm. Uh, so I know most of you. Mm. Uh, I've seen you operate professionally over a long period of time, mm. and how careful women are in politics yeah. because yeah. it's so easy to blow yourself up. That's right. Uh, but to see you all, um, like a. a, a I can only describe it as a truth has possessed you all. I'm not mm. suggesting that you spent your time here lying, mm. but there's something about what's happened in the last mm. six months mm. that has given a bunch of you a licence to just tell it like it is mm. without having to think about, oh, will I offend some bloke if I say it this way mm. or or will people be repelled by my message? Yeah. So did you ever think mm. in this journey from mm. your old life to the political life, mm. that you would end up, you know, in in these circumstances where you're part of a genuinely you're part of a movement, mm. uh, and obviously what needs to change in Australia is well beyond what happens in the parliament. Mm. What needs to happen in Australia is what happens out there in mm. in the world. Yeah, but I think uh, it's been wonderful for me to see political women mm. just absolutely prioritising truth mm. in their recounts of yeah. stories. So what does it feel like to be part of this, well, <laughs> this, it, this it's minor really, revolution? I sort of, so to your point, like during my term, I, if there's one thing I would never do and it's compromised my values. So I always talked about yeah, you did. the absolutely. quotas, need yeah, for quotas, even yep. though I was quietly told don't mention yes, the don't. Q word. Yes. The Q word. <laughs> the Q word. Well, you can't even quotas say the word quota. Thing. Right. Quotas are a labour solution to a liberal problem. Um, don't mention the F word, being a feminist. And I. so I, I did all of that. And what I didn't realise, when I announced I wasn't going to recontest mm. the next election, I was going to do the corporate thing. You know, I was going to sit back on the backbench, continue to serve through my term so that I could continue to advocate and all the rest of it. And But I wanted to continue that thread of honesty in the politest way possible. <laughs> and I put one line in there saying, uh, you know, bo- workplace entrenched culture or bullying intimidation, which I've experienced from the opposition and from within my own party. Mm. Those were the deadly words because... 
I you mean realize. like the traitorous words? The traitorous words. Yeah. She's a traitor, treachery, terrible, horrible. Let's make her, you know, let's take her through the sexist spectrum somehow. Let's silence her. Let's create fear. All of those things. Um, I didn't realize that I was. I w- would, with those words, become the whistleblower. And, you know, the open whistleblower in 2018. It's pretty weird role reversal when you think about you as sort of general yeah. counsel. In yeah. it. <laughs> like you're, like you're, the, you're the guy or the, or the woman with right. the telescope waiting for the whistleblower yeah. to, to jump them, yeah. right? Like, so anyway, it's pretty sort of funny role reversal yeah. to find and yourself I, in. I, you know, they tried to minimise it to, well, she'd experienced bullying during the coup week. No, 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 that's not what I was calling it. I'd witnessed other women, certainly, um, uh, and but it was it turned out that those other women who were really quite affected by the bullying, um, you know, I'd experienced my share, but I I could handle it. Like I've sat in courtrooms, mm. And, you know, mm. um, but um, you know, it was those other women who came out and said, "Oh, actually, it wasn't bullying; it was just a bit of lobbying." And like, "Oh no, we're going to deal with this by internal reviews." That was just, and then I had the bloke saying and. Morrison, you know, um, captain number one, um, saying that I was an emotional wreck, like just through this whole stereotype. And, you know, I think hopefully we've moved beyond the internal review that goes nowhere. Yeah. And hopefully there will be these structures. But as we said at the outset, they are years behind. And until there is leadership and accountability and the tough calls are made, um, then uh, nothing will ever change. Nothing will, nothing will change. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, uh, there, you know, things have to change. Yeah. Um, let's let's end on this. Um, if there are young women listening, and there will be mm-hmm. um, a surprising number of young women actually approach me about the pod, which is delightful. That's fantastic. It is. It is. So, yeah. uh, so we can be both confident we're talking to young women. Yeah. Uh, if you're a young woman listening to this conversation and but you, you think you really want to get into politics yeah. because it's the only way to change the country, right? Yeah, yeah. What would you say to them? I'd say to them, during their career journey, always make sure your values aren't compromised and that they're aligned to the leader's values, the ultimate leader's values, not just the corporation's values but the leader because the leader will define the culture and always, always um, put trust at the top of your list. If if that's not there then find another find another pathway. Um, But I think, you know, that's that's what we need. And may I say, my experience um, outside of the Liberal Party when I became an independent Outside the constraints of the major parties, the community, like we've got 200 volunteers within five weeks and there were pe- it, it was just this whole vibe of pe- politics with purpose and people really wanted, um, you, you know, because people are out there and that's why I, I really believe um, that to have to have a circuit breaker mm. in our body politic, we, we need the independence to have, we need the independence to make up the balance of power and to be sensible centrists, preferably women, to balance the numbers out as well. Mm. But but I think only only then will we get real action on climate change, on humanitarian issues, because 
the thing about an independent has far more power than a backbencher of a major party because you don't you have that inter, direct interface with your constituents so you know exactly what you know people want what your community wants and you're able to implement that um to fight for that if you've got the balance of power <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um you whereas in a in a major party your voice will can be drowned out in mm. you know in the party room or beforehand particularly if there's there isn't the numbers of women but i really look forward to a time when um you know i was I was told that the Liberal Party would seriously have considered quotas if they'd lost the last election. Um, I really believe mandatory quotas is 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 an urgent imperative mm. for Australian federal politics for us to have good representation of the Australian population. Mm, mm. And, a, and a lovely note to finish on, Julia. Thank you. Um, I appreciate this conversation. I pre- appreciate the forbearance of our audience listening to us catching up <laughs> because we haven't <laughs> seen each great. other face to face for yeah. ages. Yeah. Which is uh, So it's been a really delightful conversation. If there's any questions, Julia is back on the socials now. You are back on, on Twitter. Twitter and I'm Facebook. A, I'm not on Facebook. I'm on oh, Twitter. Oh, you're on Twitter. Yeah, okay, so you easily... Tra- What's your handle on Twitter? Julia H. Banks. Okay, Julia H. Banks. So yeah. if if there are young women or men uh, who have a more specific question that they want to put to you that's yeah. been triggered by anything in the conversation, Absolutely. give her a shout and yeah. I'm sure she'll get back to you. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Oh, on LinkedIn. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not corporate <laughs> For my corporate friends LinkedIn. out there. Yes, exactly. Right. Okay. Very good. Yeah. And and the book is called Power Play yeah. uh, and it is in bookshops uh, now if you want to track it down. Uh, thank you, uh as always, to my executive producer, Miles Martignoni. Uh, and thank you to you guys for listening, sharing, telling others about the podcast, etc. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much, Murph. It's so great to be here. Lovely. And thank you. Okay. Thanks. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Before Shopify, were you wondering where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. Shopify.com listen.